It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Brett Baer, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. I'm Dave Anthony. She's the latest member of Congress to go to Taiwan. Amid all the Chinese threats and war games around the island. We know that China is intent on being globally dominant by the time we get to the midpoint of the century. We talked to Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn. And Lisa Brady. The latest Trump court fight could have much bigger implications for the federal government. I do think that there's a need for greater oversight of the FBI. We have a long history of proven bias by FBI and Justice Department officials. And I'm Tommy Lahren. I've got the final word on the Fox News rundown. China will be playing more war games this week, this time with its ally Russia joining in. After all the military exercises and live fire drills China's been conducting all around Taiwan. They're trying to turn up the the temperature to a degree where it becomes sort of this new normal. We've said publicly we're not going to accept it. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. It began as an angry reaction to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's trip earlier this month to Taiwan, an island China considers its territory. We will not abandon our commitment to Taiwan, and we are proud of our enduring friendship. That the Democrat says has lasted for decades. 43 years ago, with the Taiwan Relations Act, America made a bedrock promise to always stand with Taiwan. And on this strong foundation, we have built a thriving partnership. That includes U.S. military support. Now, since Pelosi's trip, several other members of Congress have visited Taiwan. The last one there was Senator Marsha Blackburn just the other day. What I expected to see is pretty much what I saw. Senator Blackburn is a Republican from Tennessee. People who love love their country, people who are very patriotic, who share our values of democracy, of freedom, of liberty, of individuals being able to be productive. China is really trying to bully not only Taiwan, but the other nations that are there in the Pacific Island region, in the Indo-Pacom area, as we call it. You've referenced it as a country and a nation. You said uh, when you talked to Taiwan's president that you referenced it as a country. That, of course, goes over very badly with China. China considers it its own territory, a rogue breakaway region, essentially. The U.S. has strategic ambiguity toward Taiwan, but you call it a country. Yes, I do call it a country, because when you look at the fact that they have a founding father, they have the Constitution, they have all of their cabinet, their military, I think it's appropriate. You know, and think about it like this. If we recognize them and their independence, it makes it much more difficult for China to go in and run over them and say, no, this is our territory and 
and we have to have the one China policy. And think about it from their perspective. How does the U.S. recognize those countries that broke away from the Soviet Union and established their independence? and set up their government, drafted a constitution, uh, moved forward with electing their president. And that's the kind of respect that the Taiwanese would like to see. Okay. Now, do you think that we should change our one China policy then? We should just say Taiwan is its own nation, period. I I think it's time to review that, review uh, the way Nixon and Carter moved forward on this track and say, how do we best help Taiwan to defend themselves? How do we best stop Chinese aggression, not only in the Indo-Pacific, but across the globe? Because we know that China is intent on being globally dominant by the time we get to the midpoint of the century. All right. Now, when you talked to the president of Taiwan, for weeks, China had done all these military drills around the island and these war games and exercises angry over the Pelosi visit. Was was she concerned that there is going to be a, an invasion or some sort of a attempt to take it over? I I think the best thing to say is they are very watchful and very mindful. And they are watching the aggressiveness of Taiwan, of uh, China against Taiwan. And meeting with the president, with their National Security Council, with the foreign minister, they are all looking at how they bolster their defense posture, how they prepare in the event that there would be a conflict, making certain that they're going to have the ability to purchase from the United States uh, through the foreign military sales program what they need to protect themselves. Okay, so you, President Biden had said that the U.S. would defend Taiwan if China were to go on the attack. He sort of backpedaled on that. But do you think he made the right statement initially? I I think that when you look at his history throughout all these decades in the Senate, he has been supportive of Taiwan. When you look at how they fumbled things with Ukraine, I'm one of those that had encouraged the White House to move forward with selling to Ukraine what they needed to defend themselves in the event of a conflict. And I... I wish that they had. And I think looking now at how Russia came at Ukraine, that taking a preemptive action and helping them bolster what they needed to defend themselves would have been helpful to forestalling uh, any kind of attack. This is one of the things where our allies need to know that they're our allies and our enemies need to fear us. It's, it's been more than six months since the invasion. There is a counteroffensive going on this week in some areas that Russian forces had taken over. I want you to hear what President Zelensky had said. He's vowing to chase the Russians to the border. This will happen. This is ours. And just as our society understands it, I want the occupiers to understand it, too. 
there will be no place for them on Ukrainian land. Now, Senator, you've been to Ukraine. You went three years ago as a member of the Armed Services Committee, way before Russia ever stormed in. What's your assessment of the conflict now? I I think the Ukrainians have put up much more of a fight uh, than ever was expected. And... um, People have been encouraged by their tenacity and their ability to protect their their land. Um, my hope would be that they are able to continue to push against Russia. And I think it's also important for us to note in this discussion that China, Russia, Iran and North Korea, that comprises your new axis of evil, as I call it. And what you see is Russia beginning to do exercises, military exercises with China. Right, right. They're starting that this week, I believe, right? Aren't they doing these joint That is right. At the same time, you see Iran, another participant in that axis of evil, stepping up and saying, hey, Russia, if you need drones, if you need some ISR capabilities, come to us. We will be happy to sell these to you. So we need to keep our eye on this and look at that relationship between Russia and China. Look at the relationship of how China is using Russia to help China push to their their goal of global dominance. You also on this trip to Taiwan, you also stopped at the Solomon Islands, correct? Yes, I did. Now, that's, of course, closer to Australia. But there was a situation where suddenly they do not want any foreign ships to make an entry into their ports. They recently entered into a security arrangement with China. What does that mean? It is of tremendous concern. And one of the things that was of note to me during this trip is those Pacific Island nations, they look at Australia, New Zealand, and the U.S. as their traditional partners. And for the Solomon Islands now to be in such close relationship with the Chinese Communist Party is causing concern to many of the political leaders there in the Solomon Islands and many of the religious leaders in the Solomon Islands. And actually, the political leaders have formed what they call the opposition. The people of the Solomons will tell you the U.S. is their preferred partner. They prefer doing business with the U.S. One of the things they say about the Chinese Communist Party coming in is that when they come, they bring Chinese workers. They do not work with the local people. And the Solomons do not appreciate that. They would like to have that work for their citizens. So uh, I assume then you, with all this discussion, whether it's the Solomon Islands or Taiwan or working with Russia, you would agree with a lot of the assessments then that, that China is our number one threat. 
Oh, yes, I, I do think that China is our number one threat. And the way they are practicing the Belt and Road Initiative, the way they're practicing debt diplomacy, you see them moving into Africa. When you go to Djibouti, uh, where they went in and said, OK, we will give you technology. And they put cameras so that the Djiboutans could be viewed on camera with the comings and goings. And then China says, oh, by the way we would like access to your port for doing this so they set up a commercial port and the next thing you know they've set up a navy base so they're doing the same thing when you look at what they've done in Sri Lanka you look at what they're trying to do down in South America this is a push to put their naval bases and their infrastructure in place as they push to global, global dominance. And when you look at the debt diplomacy, some of these countries where they've gone in with technology or roads, 80% of that country's debt will be held by the Chinese Communist Party. Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican from Tennessee, back from a trip to Taiwan the other day. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. This is Tommy Lahren with your Fox News commentary coming up. The FBI raid on former President Trump's Florida estate has spawned ongoing reviews of the documents seized, in addition to court fights. But the White House continues to take a hands-off approach. We have not been involved uh, in this matter as it part of the D Justice Department's ongoing criminal investigation. Spokeswoman Karine Jean-Pierre telling reporters Monday that President Biden has not been briefed. She would not say whether he would get a briefing when intelligence officials finished their review of documents taken from Mar-a-Lago. 
we're just not going to comment about conclusions. We're not going to comment on anything related to this at this time, any specifics. The former president and many of his supporters consider this part of an ongoing witch hunt. Texas Republican Congressman Ronnie Jackson. Just another example of the rules don't apply in this particular case because it's Donald Trump. Trump's lawyers still want a third party, a special master, to review the documents. A recently unsealed affidavit cites classified materials previously recovered as the basis for this month's search warrant. The Trump team is concerned in part about privileged information. The Justice Department says its own team has already finished looking for that and found a limited amount. But there's a court hearing on the motion for a special master tomorrow. Well, it's not a moot point. There's no question that... The request for a special master should have come from the Trump team the day after the raid. Jonathan Turley is a Fox News legal contributor and law professor at George Washington University. By the same measure, I've written in columns that I thought that the attorney general himself should have supported such an appointment. It's one of the modest, proactive steps that Merrick Garland could have taken to assure skeptics in the public that this is neither protectual nor political in nature. Uh, But having said that, um, it's not a useless exercise. Clearly, you cannot get that cat to walk backwards, and the DOJ has already seen the documents. They've already used their taint team to remove apparently some documents. But a special master could do a couple of things. One is to have an independent review to determine whether the Taint team was correct about privileged material. Also, the special master can release a a list of uh, material without compromising any secrets. It can divide up documents into classified, covered and non-covered material. That last group could then be returned to the Trump team. We may be able to learn uh, how broad this search was, and also to get a better idea about what was searched without necessarily obviously learning anything classified. What about the argument from Trump attorneys accusing the Justice Department of ignoring executive privilege and the Presidential Records Act after some privileged documents were found? Well, that may in fact be true. The Justice Department itself acknowledged that attorney-client material may have been seized. I would be very surprised, as I said after the raid, if there was not that material uh, uh, intermixed in what was seized, because the warrant, in my view, was ridiculously broad. I, I do not believe that the magistrate performed his constitutional duty in signing this warrant. The warrant says that if you find any document with any classification marking at all, regardless of what that is, even if it's confidential, you can not only seize the contents of that box, you can seize everything stored with that box in that room. You also get to seize anything produced during the Trump presidency. That's incredibly broad, and it virtually guaranteed that you're going to get sensitive material that the government may not be allowed to have. There was such a buildup to the judge's order releasing a redacted version of the affidavit, which was used as the basis for the search warrant. Were you surprised by anything in that affidavit? What could be seen of it? No, I I wasn't, uh, including the fact that the world did not end when it was released. 
Uh, you know, I said at the outset that you could release a redacted affidavit without compromising the investigation or sources. Uh, but the media sort of mouthed the rather implausible statements of the Department of Justice that you shouldn't release a single line from this affidavit. For those of us familiar with affidavits in these cases, there's whole sections that could normally be released. And that turned out to be the case. They redacted a lot, but they also released a, a fair amount that confirmed facts that had been earlier leaked or released. So the government had been leaking information. Uh, while telling the court that absolute secrecy was required, nobody seemed to notice uh, that uh, significant portions were uh, released uh, without this parade of horribles that the Department of Justice said would occur. And once again, I view that as a failure of, of Merrick Garland. You know, he could have supported the release of this affidavit without being forced to do it. He could have supported the appointment of a special master without being forced to do it. At every occasion where he could do something, even a small something, to assure millions of Americans, he's refused to do it. And at the same time, he shows uh, some degree of, of irritation that people are questioning the integrity of his department. Well, you have to earn that trust. You can't just demand it. Is there any chance that public pressure played a role in the judge's decision to unseal the affidavit, even in redacted form? It's hard to say. You know, the magistrate uh, was subject to questions about his own involvement. This is a magistrate that had made uh, comments about President Trump, very negative comments in social media, and had earlier reportedly recused himself from a Trump-related case. Um, we've never really heard why the magistrate felt that it was appropriate for him to sign off on such a historic raid. Um, I would have thought that most judges would have recused themselves, knowing how controversial this raid would become. But it's hard to say if that had any influence on uh, this decision. What I can say is that, as we, as some of us said before his order, it was bloody ridiculous to say that uh, an affidavit could not be released in redacted form without endangering witnesses and investigations or being unintelligible. Uh, th that was proven to be false by this redacted affidavit. One thing that still seems unclear is why the urgency in August, when the Justice Department knew for months about documents at the Trump estate um, because of what Trump had already turned over earlier in the year? Well, there's a lot of inconsistencies like that. It doesn't mean that they had no reason to conduct the raid. It doesn't mean that the raid was uh, unlawful or abusive. But the narrative of the government tends to fall apart once you get beyond uh, its initial statement. I mean, for example, you know, you have that timeline. You know, we have a timeline where material was turned over uh, after the first subpoena. There was obviously communications between the team and the FBI. Um, and we don't really know what happened between June 8th and August 8th that changed that dynamic. Uh, but there's consistency problems in some of what the government has said here. Now, there's also problems in what the Trump team has said. I mean, they we have not seen this declassification order that they have cited. The National Archives and some of these filings indicate 
that there were demands uh, for material to be turned over that obviously were not complied with. So there's inconsistencies on both sides. The White House says they've had no briefings on this, including President Biden. Um, Does that sound like normal White House procedure in a situation like this? It does. But you have to read between the lines in Washington. I mean, quite frankly, uh, most of us have been following the leaks, just like the White House. You don't have to give a formal briefing uh, for the White House to find out this is coming. Apparently, uh, this is leaking like a sieve. So uh, the, the necessity of having a meeting entitled Upcoming Raid of Donald Trump's Home uh, is really not necessary to put some people in the administration on alert. The House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, has accused the Justice Department of being in an intolerable state of weaponized politicization, Uh, you know, claiming if the Republicans take back the House in November, they'll be overseeing the Justice Department to leave no stone unturned, as he puts it. If Republicans did take back the House, what kind of oversight would you be expecting along those lines? Well, frankly, I do think that there's a need for greater oversight of the FBI. We have a long history of proven bias by FBI and Justice Department officials. Uh, The Democratic Congress has really shut down those investigations. Uh, There's also very, very serious questions about the Hunter Biden uh, scandal. You know, I've been one of those people writing uh, since this began uh, on the laptop. Uh, And many of us were attacked at the time uh, for spreading Russian disinformation. Uh, It turns out that obviously it's not, but Congress has shown absolutely no interest in looking into an influence peddling scheme that might have brought millions to the Biden family, may involve the president making false statements to the public about his lack of knowledge or involvement, and other very serious questions. It's still effectively a blackout, even though the media now recognizes that this was a legitimate story so long after the 2020 election. But, you know, the indications really are not good for the administration and and really reinforce the need for oversight. I guess it's one thing, though, for critics of some of these institutions to say that there's a double standard, but it's it's next level, right, to say that the FBI or the Justice Department are actually being weaponized for political purposes. I think it's right. I I do have a serious problem with a lot of the attacks on the FBI as a body. I have serious problems with some of the overwrought rhetoric that we're hearing. Um, There's no indication that the FBI as an agency is uh, on a biased uh, political mission. But having said that, there is a serious question about bias in the ranks, particularly among higher level officials that really could use an independent investigation. And I don't think we should be afraid of that. Uh, This has now been going on for years, and you can't deny a documented history of false statements and bias statements coming from key officials involved in Trump investigations. I don't like this attitude that comes from many people that, hey, don't mess with the FBI, Department of Justice. How dare you say you're going to investigate that? The public doesn't have a right to know. These are their agencies. Of course, they have a right to know. And this isn't just coming out of the head of Zeus. This is well-documented problems within these agencies. And it does not appear that they have been fully addressed. 
Law professor and Fox News legal contributor Jonathan Turley, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It was my great pleasure. Other news. I'm Gianna Gelosi. Is that purring ball of fluff in your house a cuddly kitten or an invasive alien species? It depends who you ask. A respected Polish scientific institute has classified domestic cats as the latter, citing the damage they cause to birds and other wildlife. Naturally, that's not sitting well with cat people who are showing their claws to the biologists from the Polish Academy of Sciences. He entered the cats into that database. Wojciech Salars told the Associated Press that the database already had nearly 1,800 other species listed with no objections. The uproar over invasive alien species number 1,787, he said, may have resulted from some media reports that created the false impression that his institute was calling for feral and other cats to be euthanized. Comments on the Academy's Facebook page see people saying the institution's classification is simply stupid and harmful, with one saying, you suck and are unworthy of your name. Solars even had to square off with a veterinarian on TV arguing that cats kill about 140 million birds in Poland each year. As far as categorizing cats as alien, the Institute noted that Felis catus was domesticated probably around 10,000 years ago in the cradle of the great civilizations of the ancient Middle East, making the species alien to Europe from a strictly scientific point of view. The Institute also stressed that all it was recommending was for cat owners to limit their pets' time outdoors during bird breeding season. Salars admits he's a dog owner. For the Fox News Rundown, I'm Giangelosi. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to Everyone Talks to Liz. Fox Business's Liz Clayman talks with entrepreneurs and executives about inspiring and motivational stories. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Tom Lauren. What's on your mind? It's come to this, folks. New York has banned the sale of whipped cream canisters to those under 21. Fines for doing so range from 250 to 500 bucks. Now, this law wasn't made to take the joy out of your favorite dessert, but rather because young people are increasingly using whipped cream canisters to get high. This odd yet very popular method of getting high involves huffing nitrous oxide, which is that propellant used in whipped cream canisters. They are known more commonly as whippets, and they come with a very long list of potential side effects, such as loss of blood pressure, fainting, heart attack, oh, and even sudden death. Long-term effects also include memory loss and psychosis. So needless to say, whipped cream of all things has become quite the problem. You know, I'm not sure if limiting the access with an age requirement will solve this problem, but it is rather ironic that you have to show an ID to buy whipped cream, but not to vote. Just saying. I'm Tommy Laren, and you can listen to all of my hot takes at foxnewscommentary.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download, listen, and be inspired with Lauren Green's Lighthouse Faith. Fox News religion correspondent Lauren Green uses her wealth of stories to take the listener on a unique journey of spiritual discovery. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.